Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to Arkansas AgCast for January 21st. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we get to know Arkansas Farm Bureau's new Director of Commodity Activities and Economics, Jessica Richard. We also learn how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the equine industry in Arkansas, and we talk to one of the first participants to complete the Farm Apprenticeship Program through the Center for Arkansas Farms and Food at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. First up, Keith Sutton talks to Jessica Richard, who recently joined Arkansas Farm Bureau as the new Director of Commodity Activities and Economics. Richard, who has a doctorate in agricultural economics, officially started this week, and she'll be working with members of the organization's beef, dairy, and equine divisions. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today I'd like to introduce you to the newest member of our Farm Bureau staff, Jessica Richard, who is our new Director of Commodity Activities and Economics in our Commodity and Regulatory Affairs Department. Welcome on board, Jessica. Hello, everyone. Thanks for that great introduction. Yeah, you know, uh, everybody knows uh, who Travis Justice is. He's been around for a long time, longer than most of us have been around. And you'll be kind of moving into some of the uh, jobs that Travis did while he was working here. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you are going to be doing while you're here at Farm Bureau. Yeah, sure. I'll be covering the commodities of beef, dairy, and equine in the Commodities and Regulatory Affairs Division. Um, I'll be looking into all sorts of issues with those commodities and just you know, working with the team to develop policy and educate producers and the public and all those kinds of good things Farm Bureau does. Why don't you tell everybody a little about your background? How did you uh, uh, wind up here at Farm Bureau? Because you've got quite a career behind you, at least an educational career, uh, the past few years. Tell everybody uh, where you've been and how you got here. Yeah, sure. So I I grew up in upstate New York, uh, which was a little town called Pine Plains in eastern New York. And while I was there, the farming community kind of just adopted me in and showed me the ropes and let me show heifers and, uh, you know, show some beef cattle and sheep. Um, And I got I got very involved with 4-H and FFA. Um, So that was, you know, a big activity of my childhood. Right. So when I was going off to college, um, I wanted to study ag business because I just wanted to know more about how these producers are making money at raising these wonderful livestock, right? And so um, I went to get my undergraduate degree at Moorhead State University in Eastern Kentucky, um, and then went home and actually milked cows after finishing like in two and a half years of my undergrad. Um, and so after, after coming back to graduate school um, at University of Kentucky, um, I realized that the farm management at Oklahoma State was really good. And so that's what brought me out to Oklahoma from Kentucky. Um, and, and, you know, Arkansas being a close neighboring state to Oklahoma, I was kind of in those circles as far as seeing the job get posted here at Farm Bureau uh, with Arkansas. And so I, I jumped on it and then the rest is history to bring us to today. Well, we're glad to have you on board and uh, it's always nice to have a new face on staff that we work with. Uh, what are, uh, you've only been here, what, just this week, right? You just started this yeah, week. Yeah, I worked from home yeah. last week, and today is my second day in the office. Okay, so this may not be a fair question, but you've probably thought about it some. What what would you uh, hope to be able to do uh, during your career here? What are some of the things you'd like to uh have an influence on or, or to try to accomplish early on while you're here? I think I think the biggest thing that I want out of the deal is to just have people see me as a friend of the farmers. It's I want to be a resource for them and I want to advocate for them. I think that's that's the job and I think that's that is what's going to compound what got me to here today is whenever I looked over my shoulder, it was a farmer willing to help me. And so now I'm just getting to give back to, to all that. And I, I think that's the coolest part is that is my job. Um, so that's, that's what I would say to that. 
So uh, you seem like a people person to me. What, what we call in the South a people person. Uh, <laughs> like You like being around people. I can tell just uh, you and I have interacted a little bit today. And uh, I know uh, you'll be eager to get to a point where we're able to meet together with our people face to face, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, and the, the stories that I'll get to hear from them and get to build relationships from being from such a different place. One of the things that I've like enjoyed about meeting producers in the South is they don't know a whole bunch about agriculture where I'm from. So right. there's, there's a fair trade to, to, to be had here in being able to hear the producers of Arkansas stories um, and be able, being able to share a little bit about mine. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about agriculture, where you're from in upstate, upstate New York? Upstate New yeah. York, Dutchess County. Yep. Uh, Dutchess County is, is um, well, the greater Hudson Valley is one of the most diverse agricultural regions in New York. We've got everything from wine, horses, sheep, uh, fruits and veggies. We've kind of got it all and it's all right there. Um, so I think agriculture, the word that comes to mind for my home county is diverse and active. You're actually sitting in the office of one of our staff members who's out due to uh, uh, not being able to be around folks during COVID. But his name's Greg Patterson, and his family farm is in upstate New York. In fact, there's a picture on the wall. Some of these are, are from his family farm. So you're the second person on staff. From, from the, upstate Yeah, New so York. y'all will yeah. be able to relate when Greg gets back. And I guess he was, uh, he had floriculture. He was a flower farm, right? His uh, father raised orchids. Uh, mm-hmm. He had several greenhouses where they developed varieties of orchids and yep. sold them all over the world. My so. sister bought some dahlias this, this, this summer uh, at like a roadside stand from, you know, different things so yeah we've got flowers up there too so what do you like to do in your spare time um i'm really active in my church community that's something that's i i really thrive off of is just building relationships at church um i really like to read about ag econ topics that's that really is something (laughs) i like to do in my free time um but you also like to fish I love I to, yeah, that, that's, You'll yeah. fit right in here if you like to fish. My, I'm a big fisherman. Any any place I can get out and see a new fishing hole, um, any new species, I can get hints and tips on, on <sighs> you know, getting the angle on them. Um, I grew up fishing. That was that was a big tenant of my relationship with my father. Um, cool. And so it's something I've definitely spent a lot of time getting back into. Okay, all you farmers remember now, when you meet Jessica, you need to invite her to your your farm pond to do a little fishing because that's one that's of the right. things she likes. I'll uh, bring bait. <laughs> well, we're very glad to have you on the staff. Uh, I wanted to take time to let you introduce yourself to everybody. Uh, that'll help you get a jump start, maybe, as you uh, get into this new job. There's a lot to learn about Farm Bureau, I know. I'm, I just uh, mentioned to you, I'm kind of the, one of the newbies, and I've been here 10 years. Most of the people who work here have been here a long time. And, and that's a good uh, sign. It's a real good sign. It's a wonderful place to work, and we're very excited to have you as part of our, our staff and look forward to working with you. Thank you so much. Next, Greg Patterson speaks to Alex Stoops, who is one of the first participants to complete the Farm Apprenticeship Program designed by the Center for Arkansas Farms and Food at the University of Arkansas. He tells us how the experience lit his passion for agriculture and helping others and led to work in farming. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Pro, and on this edition of Arkansas AgCast, we've got a special guest. It's Alex Stoops. And Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem at all. And and Alex is on the show because he was one of the first, if not the first, ag apprentice uh, p- people within the the concept of the Center for Arkansas Farm and Food. And and Alex, did you come from a an ag background, or how did you get interested in agriculture? Um. So I was a generation removed from dairy farmers. So growing up, I was around it, but I wasn't really involved and didn't really have much of a 
passion for it until I got into college and um, sort of just didn't have a direction. And uh, I, I decided to volunteer at uh, Heifer USA, the Heifer Ranch. Yeah. yeah. That, and I ended up doing that for about three years afterwards. Uh, you know, that was a huge passion. I wanted to learn more and more and more. And uh, through Heifer, I found out about uh, the University of, of Arkansas's apprenticeship program. So Heifer, for those who don't know, um, they do worldwide work, and they have, uh, I guess it's in Perry, in Perry County, correct? The Heifer, yes. Heifer Project up there, and you actually, that's a working farm, so you got your hands dirty and and got back into agriculture or, or developed a passion for it. Then you headed up to, I guess, Fayetteville to the Center for Arkansas Farm and Food that runs the apprenticeship program. And, and tell me tell me what that was about at the Center for Arkansas Farm and Food. What did you do in, in relationship with that, that group? So that was an interesting transition for me because when I got into the apprenticeship, I um the Arkansas one, I was still with Heifer, so I was doing it online through Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. Hell, we all know what Zoom is, right? Yeah, in, yeah, and it was interesting. It was before, like, everyone was on Zoom. Uh, I kind of started it. <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, so I was doing that and going to different classes when I could, and through them I started working in Bentonville at a farm. Um, oh, which farm did you work at in Bentville? Uh, that was Red Barn, which was an agri-hood. Yeah, explain what an agri-hood is. I was looking that up in preparation for this call, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And, and tell the listeners what an agri-hood is. Yeah, the, con the, the concept of an agri-hood, how I see it, is it's kind of um, – it, it's urban-esque. It's not fully urban and it's not fully rural, uh, but um, it, was, it was apartments around a farm, like a fully functional farm, and they had the benefits of a farmer's market, like right where their apartments were, and it, it's kind of one of those ways that we can get back to the land uh, sort of setup that was going on. Um, so an agrihood is... Uh, like a neighborhood that is uh, right next to the farmer. And so it's centered around the farm there. So you literally have, as the term is, you've got your back 40 right out your apartment or your, your home there. And uh, I think they even offer opportunities for the residents to, to be involved in agriculture there, correct? Oh, yeah, and they're great people. Um, I got to, I had the privilege to meet a lot of them and all from all different walks of life, and it was really interesting, really diverse there. And um, they all just enjoyed the, uh, the vibe of, you know, being around a farm. And I think a lot of people are missing that these days. So, so you had, you know, you're you're a generation removed from a dairy farm, which uh, so, so you probably didn't get to experience yourself being, um, you know, a 14-hour day on a dairy farm and milking cows twice a day type thing. But when you got up to the uh, to heifer and then up to the agrihood at Red Barn, that that agriculture vibe you speak of all of a sudden comes alive in you. What kind of work were you doing as an apprentice there at the Red Barn? Uh, so with Red Barn, that was primarily uh, a, like a, an acre uh, market garden, and that was a variety of vegetables. Their their concept was like to really get as many as they want as they could, like the really tasty stuff. And we also had uh, chickens, laying hens, um, and I, I know in the future they were looking at expanding the uh, the livestock options. Oh, that's that's real interesting. So you had uh, poultry and you had um, uh, vegetables and stuff. And and what kind of work were you doing? Um, I well at, at the beginning I was kind of just there to learn, 
Um, and I was getting paid to learn at the farm, but I quickly was like, you know, I, I feel like I could be an employee here. Um, and it was still just, once I became an employee, it was mostly my job was to do what needed to be done. So it was, it was definitely harvesting, uh, taking care of the animals, uh, building uh, equipment that needed to be built, delivery, just every aspect of the farm. So so when you say that, I chuckle a little bit because cause when you say just, you know, doing whatever needs to get done, that's the job of a farmer. Whatever it needs really to is. get done, you got to do it. Which so, is what I enjoy about it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, what do you enjoy the most about uh, that type of farming? You're doing specialty crop farming. You're doing, you know, truck patch type farming. You've got some poultry there. Um, what 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 did you enjoy the most about your apprenticeship? Well, as a younger person, you know, I'm 26, uh, even though I look around 40 for some people. But, um, <laughs> you know, like a lot of people my age, they have minimum wage jobs where they go work for someone and uh, they go home. And, you know, it's, it's like fast food or something. And right. I see a lot of people – my age, just kind of living that life, but, you know, it, it's not necessarily the work, which I do enjoy the work because it's nature and it's meaningful and it's impactful, but it's, you know, it, it's it, it's a better way of life, and it's something that it feels morally good to do, and I think we've kind of, as a as a culture, maybe, gotten away from wanting to do good in our jobs, like wanting to do good things. And uh, personally, the reason why I'm so almost obsessed with like agriculture at this point is because I believe that, that it is like a truly good, noble thing to do. And that's kind of what keeps me going into it. That, that's a great description of, of the joy and the, I'm sure, as you well learned from your work at Heifer and up there at Red Barn, is you can work a hard, long day, be worn out and tired, and be satisfied with what you've done. And there's, you know, it's hard to buy that kind of satisfaction. So I applaud you on that. And so many farmers often tell me that's the lifestyle that they enjoy because they feel it's meaningful. Yeah. So so you were doing that kind of work. Were you also taking, were you still on Zoom taking classes or personally taking classes uh, involved with the Center for Arkansas Farm and Food at the university or what was going on there? Oh yeah, we're still doing classes uh, all the time. Um, they they are a great resource, and uh, Heather and Susan particularly just work tirelessly to like benefit their apprentices. Like they are they are some angels right there. They they're always and, finding things for the apprentices to do and like to learn about. They're really passionate about their job. And so, so you're talking about Heather Frederick, right? Yes. And Susan, do you remember Susan's last name? I don't have it off the top of my head. I remember it, but I don't know if I can pronounce it right. But Kohler? K-O-L-A. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Susan for sure. Yeah, great. Both of them do a wonderful job there. And, of course, that's all part of the whole Northwest Arkansas Food Conservancy, which is a, a, a multi-purpose uh, ag-related uh, effort that's uh, uh, funded with the uh, Walton Family Foundation, I think, is one of the sponsors involved with that. So so you were getting ag every day, getting your hands dirty, and also doing some of the, the classroom work to learn things as well. So what's it like for you now? What What are you doing now? What are your goals for the future? Obviously, you are sold out completely to ag, and I'm, I'm figuring your future is going to be in ag in some way, shape, or form. Uh, yes. Yeah, so once I kind of 
few years ago, me and my brother, once I, once I was really into agriculture, me and my brother had decided uh, we wanted to make our own occupational therapy farm. Uh, he's really? Occup- yeah, he's an occupational therapist. Um, he works with, like, the second largest uh, clinic in Arkansas. They're a great uh, company. Um, and when he went into them, he has, like, a seven – like, a lot of therapists have this. Uh, they have, like, a seven-year contract. Mm-hmm. And so once he's up with his contract, that's kind of when we want to start, you know, like, setting up the foundation, really getting it going. Um, and like, I, for me right now, my seven in seven years, that is what I want to do for the rest of my life is like develop a, uh, occupational therapy farm. Wow. That's really interesting. And, and, uh, go ahead and explain to those who are, who are listening, occupational therapy, what kind of what kind of people are involved in occupational therapy? What kind of patients are involved, and how do you connect that with the farming experience? Uh, well, a lot of people have heard of like equine therapy. Mm-hmm. That's a really popular one, uh, and there is empirical evidence out there that proves you know that does benefit your patients. Patients uh, are they they come from a wide wide uh, list of backgrounds. Uh, it's people who, you know, they have loss of motor control or motor functions. Uh, a lot of it is emotional or mental health that they need. Um, and that would be on the side of the medical, uh, of my brother, you know, because I don't, right. don't want to explain right. that I know that I, like, I'm not a medical professional and that it's dangerous for me to even approach that field sure sure um, but you are going to be the ag professional and you'll you'll know how to help help put people to work in a in a situation that that would give them that same kind of feeling you're getting that agriculture right so my, our whole plan is like the communication between the medical professionals and the farmers and how we can bridge that gap uh, to provide a better experience for the patients because it really is at the end of the day about them and what we can help and provide those people with a uh, higher level of care, more than just, like, let's fix your problems, like, let's fix your hand, like, wait, what about the whole person? You know, the person as a whole, that's how we want to look at it. Um, And, you know, there is, if you don't like animals, that's okay, but, like, I was not a huge fan of goats until I took care of them. There is your heart, like it sounds cheesy, but your heart opens up when you kind of open up to the world of nature. Um, you know, there is a there is a relationship between man and animal that, uh, you know, it like it's different and it can change your mind on a lot of things and make you a better person. Like people taking care of dogs, it makes them a better person. Sure. You know, sure. If you need to help yourself, sometimes the best thing is to help someone else. So the idea is to like, a lot of these would be younger people. And so it's like teaching them responsibility, teaching them gentleness. Like don't, why would you hold a chicken so, like, roughly, you know? Uh, there's a lot of different things we can implement that are based in science and medical fact that we can – the idea is to heighten it with a an environment of, like, safety and peace and nature and maybe a little bit of learning of what we can do for others right. and how we can help the earth be a better place. Well, I'll tell you what, that sounds fascinating. And, and obviously your brother's working right now and he is an occupational therapist and, and y'all have the dream and the goal to put uh, his medical skill matched with your agricultural skill and learning. So what are you doing right now? Are you still doing, um, college courses are you uh doing any farm work what's what's happening with alex right now well right now i'm actually building uh making a rug 
um, just to keep my hands busy. But I am going to college uh, at Arkansas State University of Mountain Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the past year being so chaotic and hectic, um, I had some medical issues in the past year. So, you know, the safest thing for me, the best thing I felt to do was to go home and actually get a degree because I hadn't done that yet. Yeah, so you could you could hunker down, protect yourself, and then go online and get some coursework done. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, just taking part-time jobs and uh, finishing college so I can get a degree and to learn more. Um, you know, that's something because I'm a lot of people who are into farming they grew up in it, so I I have a lot to catch up on. Well, it sounds like. Uh, you have um, one of the great things to have, and that's a sense of direction and a sense of where you're going. It's great to hear that agriculture helped in that process. The Center for Arkansas Farm and Food and the folks there helped along with your own initiative. And we've been talking with Alex Stoops today, and he was one of the first apprentices apprentices, agriculture apprentices with the Center for Arkansas Farm and Food worked at the uh, uh, Red Barn community. And thank you so much, Alex, for spending time here on um, Arkansas AgCast. And we wish you the best of luck for sure. Hey, thank you. This was really fun. All right. If anybody wants to uh, contribute to your cause in regards to uh, what you're trying to put together, um, how can they get a hold of you? Are you on Facebook? or uh, I don't really use Facebook, but um, uh, you can direct any email to me at alexstoops, S-E-O-O-P-S, 1-1 at gmail.com. Um, but really, just just be kind to one another. That's the best thing we can do. Alex, thank you so much. Appreciate the time you've spent with us. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Finally, Ken Moore chats with Steve Jones, a horseman and chair of Arkansas Farm Bureau's equine division. Jones discusses how COVID-19 affected the $3 billion industry and other issues affecting horse ownership in the state. I'm Ken Moore, and today I'm enjoying visiting with Steve Jones. Steve is the chair of the Arkansas Farm Bureau equine division, and uh Steve, thanks for joining us today. Equine, as we know, is a growing industry uh, all across America and certainly here in Arkansas for, for a variety of reasons. And and we appreciate your uh, chairing our equine division because many of our Farm Bureau members all across the state are uh, horse enthusiasts and they have uh, horses uh, either as working animals or for recreation. But uh, Let's just kind of start off, Steve, by talking about as we enter this new year, some of the important uh, issues facing this industry in Arkansas. With COVID-19 still upon us, uh, maybe in several months, uh, because of people being able to get vaccinated, the, the pandemic will run its course. But how has that affected the equine industry, if at all? Well, um First of all, Ken, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you and uh, give the equine side of uh, COVID and and, uh, and, and issues. <clears throat> COVID caught everybody off guard last year, and I'm talking about that's from individuals to uh, uh, companies and industries, and and it took us a while to figure out how to cope with it. We really didn't know what the beast was that we were dealing with. It had some really negative short-term effects on the horse industry. Um, the horse industry is um, primary these, in these times is a recreational industry. It's very varied uh, in the sense that uh, the biggest part of the industry is, is trail riders. And because Arkansas has so much public land and uh, so many private and public uh uh, horse camping areas. Uh, people come here from all over the United States, um, and it starts in the spring. Well, a lot of those facilities, public and private, shut down. Um, 
uh, by guidance from state regulations and and, and choice, etc. So probably up until through June at least, uh, you know, we lost a lot of tourism dollars in this state because folks were locked down, wasn't traveling. Um, uh, but the other part of the recreational side of horse industry is is shows, and there's a, a you know multiple disciplines. I'm more familiar with or more in tune with the, the Western world um, uh, breed shows, uh, the Arkansas State Horse Association shows. I'm involved with the stock horse shows here in Arkansas, and all of those spring shows, which um, be frank with you, you know, yes, we're there showing, but we have to uh, pay the bills as well. And so all of those shut, shut down. And our example, my example with the Arkansas uh, stock, Arkansas Ranch Horse Show Association, um, we lost two shows in the spring. Well, that caused us to really have to budget for the two shows we were finally able to have in the fall. So there's lost revenue there um, to the communities. Um, research surveys in Texas shows that when um, a show comes to town, whether it be Little Rock or uh, Searcy, Arkansas, or Texarkana, um, that each stall rented equals about 200 to $250 a day in, quote, local revenue tax dollars, money spent. So it, you know, it has a negative effect on the communities. And, but by summer, uh, the Arkansas State Horse Show Association, they worked closely with um, um, the governor's office and Department of Health, and and they got their shows up and going um, with, you know, with restrictions. Um, but, things that they could live with well uh, other horse associations followed that lead so we were you know back in back in the saddle so to speak by by uh, midsummer and through the fall um so um we also saw an increase in the uh, uh, number of um, trail riding facilities and trail riders and folks um you know, and they came on, social distanced and followed the regulations. So we learned to live with it. And so 2021, I would say we're not nearly as afraid of COVID as we were uh, shortly after this time last year. And um, life goes on. It may look different than what we would like or what we used to, but life goes on. One of the, uh, one of the positives that came out of it is – if you talk to the um, horse trailer industry, the, they saw a, a, a high demand for particularly living quarters trailers. Wow. Uh, we saw, we have seen, um, we've seen people get back into horse recreation, um, and as a result, horse sales have been extremely uh, strong locally and nationally. Well, good. Uh, those of us that uh, watches that kind of thing have been relatively surprised at uh, the demand for uh, hor- riding horses. So it sort of indicates to us that, um, okay, uh, we may not be able to get on an airplane, take a vacation to Florida or uh, the Caribbean, but uh, we sure got access to the great outdoors, and um, so let's get get back into the horse industry, and let's you know let's get back to trail riding or maybe going to shows and stuff, and um, and that's um, you know that's my perspective. That's a little bit, and you know that's a pretty sure bet, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I think I think we're seeing you know we're seeing a positive result there if you're selling horses. Um, and I mentioned earlier the uh, state horse show. Their finals is Labor Day weekend in um, Little Rock, 
And when it was all said and done, they had the largest uh, end-of-the-year championship show that they've ever had. Wow. And um, so we we adapted. But I think folks sort of came back to the industry um, once we figured out that, you know, how, how to deal with COVID and things opened up. And I think uh, folks just kept things local. And horses, are sure, in Arkansas, a, a big part of that. We also saw the number of trail riding trail riding uh, facilities, uh, people coming through there. We saw that go up as well. Um, the negatives on of that was, um, and we don't have as many training facilities uh, in Arkansas as maybe some of our uh, states around us, particularly Oklahoma and Texas. But we sure saw, from a negative standpoint, we when all the shows shut down and literally um, shut down uh, first six months of last year, you know, folks uh, had training bills, you know, that they didn't mind paying, but there wasn't any shows for them to go show their horse or, or have their trainer go show their horse. And, and so they went and picked up their horses and brought them home. So the, I would say the negative element of that, has been the uh, you know the horse trainers from a national standpoint they they have suffered um, I, um, and uh, you know I talked to many of them and, and uh, that are friends of mine and you know they were going to have to relook at their business plan and, but even with that said they had friends that you know they just had to um, you know go find other jobs and wow uh, that. So that they, you know, they're, and, and and my business is, you know, sort of service oriented too, and and uh, yes, I was affected, you know, uh, but um, but those guys, you know, their living is dependent on it, and so it's sort of a sad situation, and and they still haven't recovered. I, I think they will uh, if they're able to um, stay in, but. If they if they were paying notes on a facility, and they've lost six months worth of income, and and that income is coming back too slowly, I don't know that they can stay in business, and that's sad. And probably the ones that's affected the most is the ones we want, and that's the young trainers, right? The the, the beginners and the mid career trainers. So that's been my as I say it the um, the negative effect and. I can tell you from a show manager standpoint, and, and, and I say that because I'm on the board of Arsha, uh, and, and I've talked to uh, other uh, disciplines, other show associations. Um, it has not affected us, but our concern has been because of our uh, spectator regulations, social distancing, and minimizing number of people that can be at a facility. How is that going to affect our horse show sponsorships? We're dependent on uh, yes. allied industry um, to um, uh, donate, not, you know, donate or buy uh, trade trade area uh, booths and areas, and um, but, but they're going to if if they're crunched, and I and I don't know that they're crunched because if there's more horses, more people coming back to horses, their business has been good, but. They're advertising dollars, and that's what they're using to sponsor our shows. Is you know, uh, is to uh, get their products out to a large number of people. But we've got reduced spectators. Um, then how are they going to spend their advertising dollars? Well, I have not found that that uh, affected. Actually, uh, again, I'll go back to the state horse show. Mike Workler, the president, and and his uh, state board, they worked really hard, and they actually, you know, uh, to my understanding, able to get more sponsors, and, you know, they had a very successful and profitable championship. But that's that was a concern um, as we started into the, you know, able to have the shows starting in the uh, summer and then through the fall. And I think it's still a concern for those that um, – are conducting shows and activities. Uh, I've got a and question I, and, and for one, you. And, what, and, and one group I've left out, which is maybe mm -hmm. the biggest group that we have in Arkansas from a competitive standpoint, and that's the rodeo industry. 
Oh yeah, I not want to leave out my rodeo friends, but uh, and and they faced you know they're in that ball game too. I just consider them a show, and so all of those things apply to them as well. Yes, Go ahead, they do. Jim, what's up? Yes, they do. I just got a question. So we've reported over the last year, ever since COVID broke out uh, in 2020, uh, about how the federal government has uh, come through uh, for our, you know, agricultural industry, if you will, uh, whether it be a livestock industry uh, or a row crop industry through the payment protection program. Mm-hmm. Almost every sector of agriculture took a hit last year and, and they're still mm-hmm. suffering. I read just this week where the poultry industry uh, in the in initial phase of the CFAP program, I believe it was the coronavirus food assistance program and the federal dollars that were available there for some aid. Uh, they might not have uh, qualified for that first round, but now they do. My question is how can the equine industry, if at all, for those who are suffering, uh, from it and need some federal assistance, are they able to take a, uh, advantage of these federal programs? Um, Ken, that is a wonderful question, and uh, I find it uh, almost uh, ironic that you bring it up because I have the application form sitting here on my desk in front of me right now because I had a friend in Texas that called and, and actually um on another matter, and this subject comes up, he has several livestock holdings um, and other businesses, but horses is part of that as well. And all of a sudden, I said, well, wait a minute. Uh, He brings up the PPE program, and I said, well, wait a minute. Let's stop right there, and we'll come back to our conversation here. We now qualify, and he said, "Uh, yes, my understanding is. So, I can't directly answer you that question just right now, but um, it seems, from what I know at this point, that yes, we uh, agriculture is going to fall in the second round of the um, Payment Protection Act or uh, program. And uh, but I can't tell you the details right now because I'm still trying to figure it out because the form. Um, but um, the more I've asked questions, the more it seems like that we do qualify. Well, that's good uh, because that's why those programs uh, were authorized by Congress. Uh, and hopefully, you know, as COVID winds down, until that happens, uh, federal assistance is going to be needed so that these industries and these uh, yeah. individuals can continue to function. And uh, that's right. You just described. Uh, people have the opportunity to start spending money again. Uh, But for the equine industry, it seems like what you said in the beginning, uh, one of the best ways to enjoy recreation is outdoors, not indoors. And uh, certainly with uh, horses and trail riding, going to the shows. You know, I went last uh, summer, late last summer, early last fall to the county fairs. Well, county fairs, uh, like you say, rodeos are a big part of those. A lot of the county fairs were not able to have a rodeo last year, but they did have some livestock shows with a reduced crowd, with reduced spectators uh, for the children to show their animals. Uh, and so if you and, – and you even said that last fall, the Arkansas State Horse Show at the, on Labor Day weekend, uh, they had a successful show, the biggest and best they've ever had. Uh, hopefully, as we go through this year – we will have be able to have your spring shows, and things can kind of slowly get back to normal. Um, and I'm hoping so as too. And I think, and I think, you know, I'm thinking positive that we will that we will get back to normal. I think uh, it's going to take a while to uh, the vaccine is is among us and and is being administered. Um, and uh, I think through the guidance of of, um, of, of our health programs. You know, hopefully we will uh, reach that point of uh, uh, protection for all of society and uh, things will get back to normal. Uh, But, uh, again, uh, it it may look a little different for a while, but I think think we figured out how to deal with it last year. So that worked last year, so we'll, we'll start this year with the same plan. 
And if we're able, able to open things back to what we consider normal by early summer, I'd call it a success. I've got a final question for you, Steve, here uh, today. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, Arkansas Farm Bureau always has, at this time of year, uh, in late January, around the 1st of February, our Winter Commodity Division meetings, and you are preparing to meet with those uh, who are members of our Equine Division here very soon. Uh, what are some of the policy or legislative issues that are affecting the industry that uh, you will be discussing? Well, uh, as far as we know, to uh, any uh, bills that have been proposed or, uh, or think we're going to be proposed, we don't know of anything that's directly affecting the equine division, but one of our emphasis points uh, within Farm Bureau is no changes to our equine infectious anemia laws. We, uh, we There was a bill introduced at the last legislative session that, in our opinion, would weaken those those laws. Equine infectious anemia is a um, uh, virus that uh, is that affects horses. There is no cure. There is no vaccine, and the only way we control it is to uh, euthanize those horses that get it. So we have very strict laws in place, meaning horses um, uh, have. We are required to be tested every year, and you carry that negative test with you wherever you go. And then we have a verification program that requires uh, uh, major events or events to um, check those papers to prevent the spread of this disease. So that is a major emphasis point is we've got, well, maybe the I consider it the best uh, set of laws and, and uh functional um, regulation for this disease in the country. Many states have looked at our laws, I know. So we want to keep that and make sure that uh, even good intentions doesn't weaken that law. And um, one of the other things we watch for is potential animal welfare laws. Now, we are all for Good to be good stewards, uh, protect our animal livestock uh, of all kinds, horses in particular. Um, but uh, we're always looking at that. And we also, a number of years ago, passed a, uh, an animal welfare law in this state that we, we like pretty well. So um, that's sort of our emphasis points. And then, and then I'm going to update um, our committee. Uh, Farm Bureau has uh, sponsored a um, um, an equine survey. Um, Dr. Mark Russell with the University of Arkansas Extension Service has a graduate student that is uh, in the process of uh, doing that survey. And um, Mark, Dr. Russell and Megan will, uh, will update us on, on, on their progress there. And, and the purpose of that is to see where we are currently at as far as the equine industry in Arkansas. I did a, a survey back when I worked for, um, was still employed with Extension. I'm retired now, for everybody wants to know. But um, what to give a summary of that uh, survey that I did, we have 81,000 households in this state that own horses. Wow. And the average was that was 2.7 horses per household. So, and then when you look at uh, uh, capital investment, the value of the horses, uh, capital investment would be property, barns, trailers, trucks. It's a $3 billion industry in this state. And that's not counting uh, tourism dollars. Uh, et cetera, for um, you know, for like I mentioned earlier, the local events. So, um, Dr. Russell and uh, and is working on you know validating where where are we at in 2021 versus I think that survey I did was in 2008. I think that I think the numbers are going to be uh, greater than that just because of inflation. The dollars is going to be bigger. I'm curious to know if the number of horses is going to change. Um, 
Right. I don't say they're going to be about the same, but that's just an opinion. But we need a scientific survey to uh, validate our opinions. Um, as a former scientist, that's uh, uh, that's the way I think. So we're looking looking forward to see how where we at with that, and we're sure looking forward to to the results of, of that survey. Well, well, that's uh, I'm glad you brought that out because it is a significant industry. I think you said three billion dollars uh, when it's all said and done, and that hasn't kept gone up since 2008. <laughs> uh, it's a much more valuable industry now than it was yeah. uh, 13 years ago, and so uh, well, that, and I think that, as you say, probably the number of households with horses has increased as well. It's a very popular recreational. Uh, industry uh, for many families, whether they're going to shows and doing barrel racing or they're just trail yeah. riding. Uh, kind of, because I know you use them too, you know, horses and equine in the beginning, a hundred or more years ago, a couple hundred years ago, they were used as stock animals. You referenced that, working animals, working horses to work cattle and things of that nature. Do we still see uh, ranchers using them in that capacity at all? Oh, uh, definitely. Uh, where the ranches are lar- large enough to use them. I mean, we have, you know, that has changed over time. Um, our, you know, well, some ranches have gotten bigger. Most of them have gotten smaller. Uh, some folks, there's a lot of folks still use horses uh, even on small ranches just because that's the best way to move cattle and work them in the working facilities, et cetera. So that's one of the reasons that the stock horse segment of, um, uh, shall we call it, the shows and recreational uh, activities is is growing because it, it sort of mimics real life. And uh, folks are enjoying that, and they're feeling like they're connecting to history. But it's also, there's a lot of ranches that, that still use horses, Ken, that have figured out that, uh, we'll call it, wouldn't call it agritourism, but another avenue for them to bring income into the ranch. Um, so there, we've got a lot of ranches in, around, or um, individuals, cowboys that work those ranches. They've got a set of horses that they use every day, but but it but their intention is to sell it to this growing market for those. Uh, horses that are uh, cow bred or used to work cows and they're they're extremely broke. They've seen lots of sights and sounds, and they're safe for trail riding. Now we can go show them, and you know, there's high demand for those horses. That's some of the highest priced horses we see being sold these days. So it's extra income for those ranches. So all of that's going together to make look like our industry. Is strong and 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 is growing and adapting well, and changing. That's good. That's good to know. Thank you, Steve, for updating us on all of this. This has been a really enjoyable conversation with you and getting caught up with you here today. Uh, and we look forward to kind of staying in touch and then that's kind of seeing what happens here as we get deeper into this new year. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time today and uh, have a great spring. And you too, Ken. Thank you. And talking to Steve Jones, who chairs the Arkansas Farm Bureau Equine Division, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. That's all for this edition of the Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next week with more news and views on Arkansas agriculture.